0: CD 5 They found her in a cavern. It had sand on the floor, smooth and unmarked by anything except one set of footprints. Her hat had been placed neatly beside her. Her head rested on a rolled-up sack. She held a card in stiff hands. It read, "'Go a-way,' That's not very helpful, said Magrat, and sat down with the baby across her lap. After all this, too. Can't we wake her up, said Agnes. That's dangerous, said Nanny Og, trying to call her back when she ain't ready to come. Tricky. Well, can we at least take her out of here? She won't bend around corners, but (laughs) maybe we could use her as a bridge, (laughs) said Nanny. No. She came here for a reason. She pulled the sack out from under Granny's head, which didn't move, and opened it. "'Wrinkly apple, bottle of water, and a cheese sandwich you could bend horseshoes round,' she said. "'And her old box.' She set it down on the floor between them. "'What is in there?' said Agnes. "'Oh, keepsakes. lilia, like I said, that sort of thing,' said Nanny. "'She always says it's full of things she's got no further use for.' "'She drummed her fingers on the box as if accompanying a thought on the piano, "'and then picked it up. "'Should you do that?' said Agnes. "'No,' said Nanny. "'She lifted out a bundle of papers tied with ribbon and put them on one side. "'They all saw the light shining up from underneath. "'Nanny reached in and took out a small glass medicine bottle, "'tightly corked, and held it up. "'A little glow inside was quite bright in the gloom of the cave. "'Seen this bottle before,' said Nanny.' She's got all kinds of odds and ends in here. Never noticed it glowing, though. Agnes took the bottle. Inside, there was what looked like a piece of fern, or... No, it was, it was a feather. Quite black, except for the very tip, which was as yellow and bright as a candle flame. Do you know what it is? No. She's always picking up stuff. She's had the bottle a long time, cos I've seen it in there. I for her figured up. "'Magrat removed a safety pin from her mouth. "'I saw her pick that thing up years ago.' "'She tried again. "'It was around this time of year, too. "'We were walking back through the woods, "'and there was a shooting star, "'and this sort of light fell off it, "'and we went to look, and there it was. "'It looked like a flame, but she was able to pick it up.' "'Sounds like a firebird feather,' said Nanny. "'There used to be old stories about them. "'They passed through here.' "'but if you touch their feathers, you'd better be damn sure of yourself, "'because the old stories say they burn in the presence of evil.' "'Firebird? You mean a phoenix?' said Agnes. "'Hodgeshug was going on about one.' "'Haven't seen one go over for years,' said Nanny. "'Sometimes you see two or three at a time when I was a girl, "'just lights flying high up in the sky.' "'No, no, the phoenix. There's only one of it. "'That's the whole point,' said Agnes.' Wom of anything is no bloody use, said Nanny. Granny Weatherwax smacked her lips, like someone emerging from a very deep sleep. Her eyelids flickered. Ah I knew opening her box at work, said Nanny happily. Granny Weatherwax's eyes opened. She stared straight up for a moment, and then swiveled them towards Nanny Og. she mumbled. Agnes hastily passed her the water bottle. She touched Granny's fingers, and they were as chilly as stone. The old witch took a gulp. ''Ah, oh, it's you three,'' she whispered. ''Why did you come here?'' ''You told us to,'' said Agnes. ''No, I didn't,'' Granny snapped. ''Wrote you a note, did I?'' ''No, but the stuff,'' Agnes stopped. ''Well, we thought you wanted us to.'' Three witches,'' said Granny. ''Well, no reason why not.'' "'The maiden, the mother, and the... "'Go carefully,' Nanny Og warned. "'Eh, the other one,' said Granny. "'That's up to you, I'm sure. "'It's not something about which I would venture any sort of opinion. "'So I expect you've got some dancing to be doing, and good day to you. "'I'll have my pillow back, thank you very much.' "'You know there's vampires in Lancre, Nanny demanded. "'Yes, they got invited. "'You know they're taking over. Yes.' ''So why did you run away up here?'' said Agnes. ''The temperature of a deep cave should remain constant, but suddenly this one was a lot colder.'' ''I can go where I like,'' said Granny. ''Yes, but you ought,'' Agnes began. She wished she could bite the word back, but it was too late. ''Oh, ought, is it? Where does it say ought? I don't remember it saying ought anywhere.'' "'Anyone going to tell me where it says ought?' "'There's a lot of things that ought, I dare say, but they ain't.' "'You know a magpie stole your invite,' said Nanny. "'Sean delivered it okay, but them thieving devils it away and into a nest.' "'She flourished the crumpled, smudged, yet gold-laden invitation. "'In the moment of silence, Agnes fancied she could hear the stalactites grow. "'Yes, of course I did,' said Granny.' "'Worked that out first thing.' "'But the moment had been just slightly too long "'and just slightly too quiet. "'And you know Verence got an Omnian priest in "'to do the naming of young Esme? "'Again, fractionally too long, infinitesimally too silent. "'You know I put my mind to business,' said Granny. "'She glanced at the baby sitting on Magrat's lap. "'Why's she got a pointy head?' she said. ''It's the little hood Nanny knitted for her,'' said Magrat. ''It's meant to look like that.'' ''Would you like to hold her?'' ''She looks comfortable where she is,'' said Granny diffidently. ''She didn't know the baby's name,'' Perdita whispered. ''I told you, Nanny thinks Granny's been in the baby's mind. I can tell by the way he's been looking at her. But if she had, she'd have known the name, and she doesn't. I swear she wouldn't do anything that might hurt a child.'' Granny shook herself. ''Anyway,'' "'If there's a problem, well, you've got your three witches. "'It doesn't say anywhere that one of them ought,' she nodded at Agnes, "'to be Granny Weatherwax. "'You sort it out. "'I've been witching in these parts for altogether too long, "'and it's time to... to... move on. "'Do something else.' "'You're going to hide up here?' said Magrat. "'I'm not going to keep on repeating myself, Michael.' People aren't going to tell me what I ought to do no more. I know what's ought and what's not. Your husband invited vampires into the country, did he? That's modern for you. Well, everyone else knows that a vampire don't have no power over you unless you invite it in. And if it's a king as does the inviting, then they've got their teeth into the whole country. And I'm an old woman living in the woods, and I've got to make it all better when there's three of you... "'I've had a lifetime of ought from can to can't, and now it's over. "'And I'll thank you for getting out of my cave, and that's an end of it.' "'Nanny glanced at the other two and shrugged. "'Come on, then,' she said. "'If we get a wiggle on, we can be back at the broomsticks before dark.' "'Is that all?' said Magrat. "'Things come to an end,' said Granny. "'I'm going to rest up here, and then I'm on my way. "'Plenty of places to go.' ''Now get her to tell you the truth,'' said Perdita. Agnes bit down. ''Ought had been bad enough.'' ''So, we'll be getting along,'' said Nanny. ''Come on.'' ''But, but me no buts,'' said Nanny, ''as Granny would have said.'' ''That's right,'' said Granny, lying back. As they filed back into the caves, Agnes heard Perdita start counting. Magrat patted her pockets. Nanny patted her knicker legs. Magrat said... Oh, I must have Blow! I left my pipe back there, said Nanny so quickly that the sentence overtook the one in front. Five seconds, said Perdita. I didn't see you take it out, said Agnes. Nanny gave her a piercing look. Really? Then I'd better go and leave it there, hadn't I? Was there something you'd left too, Magrat? Never mind, I'll be sure to look for it, whatever it was going to be. Well, said Magrat as Nanny darted back. Granny was certainly not telling the truth, said Agnes. Of course she wasn't. She never does, said Magrat. She expects you to work it all out for yourself. But she's right about us being three witches. Yes, but I never intended to come back to it. I've got other things to do. Or perhaps when Esme's older, I thought, maybe a bit of part-time aromatherapy or something, but not serious full-time witching. This power of three business is, well, it's it's very old-fashioned. "'And what have we got now?' Perdita chimed in. "'The knowing but technically inexperienced young woman, "'the harassed young mother and the silver-haired golden-ager. "'Doesn't exactly sound mythic, does it? "'But Magrat just bundled up her little baby "'as soon as she heard Granny was in trouble "'and she didn't even stop to worry about her husband.' "'Wait a moment. Listen,' said Agnes. "'What for? Just listen. "'The sound echoes in these caves.' Nanny Ogg sat down on the sand and wriggled slightly to settle in firmly. She took out her pipe. "'So,' she said to the recumbent figure, "'apart from all that, how are you feeling?' There was no reply. "'Saw Mrs. Paternoster this morning,' Nanny went on chatterly. "'Her from over in Slice, just past the time of day. "'Mrs. Ivy is bearing up well, she says.' She blew out a cloud of smoke. "'I put her right about a few things.' "'She said. "'There was still silence from the shadowy figure. "'The naming went off all right. "'The priest's as wet as a snow omelette, though. "'I can't beat him, Gither,' said Granny. "'I can't beat him, and that's a fact.' "'One of Nanny Og's hidden talents was knowing when to say nothing. "'It left a hole in the conversation that the other person felt obliged to fill. "'They've got minds like steel. "'I can't touch 'em. I've been trying everything, every trick I've got. They've been searching for me, but they can't focus right when I'm in here. The best one nearly got to me at the cottage. My cottage! Nanny Og understood the horror. A witch's cottage was her fortress. I've never felt anything like it, Gither. He's had hundreds of years to get good. You notice the magpies? He's using them as eyes. And he's clever too. He's not going to fall to a garlic sandwich, that one. "'I can pick up that much. These vampires has learned. "'That's what they've never done before. "'I can't find a way into them anywhere. "'They're more powerful, stronger, they think quick. i tell you, going mind to mind with them's like spitting at a thunderstorm.' "'So, what are you going to do?' "'Nothing. There's nothing I can do. "'Can't you understand what I've been telling you? "'Don't you know I've been lying here all day trying to think of something?' "'They know all about magic, borrowing second nature to them. "'They're fast. They think we're like cattle that can talk. "'I never expected anything like this, Gither. "'I've thought about it round and round, "'and there's not a thing I can see to do.' "'There's always a way,' said Nanny. "'I can't see it,' said Granny. "'This is it, Gither. "'I might as well lie here until the water drips on me "'and I go into stone like the old witch at the door.' "'You'll find a way,' said Nanny.' "'Weatherwaxes don't let themselves get beaten. "'It's something in the blood, like I've always said.' "'I am beaten, Gither, even before I start. "'Maybe someone else has a way, but I haven't. "'I'm up against a mind that's better than mine. "'I'd just about keep it away from me, but I can't get in. "'I can't fight back.' "'The chilly feeling crept over Nanny Og "'that Granny Weatherwax meant it. "'I never thought I'd hear you say that,' she muttered. "'Off you go. "'No sense in keeping the baby out in the cold.' "'And what are you going to do? "'Maybe I shall move on. "'Maybe I'll just stop here. "'Can't stop here forever, Esme. "'Ask her that she's by the door.' "'That seemed to be all there was going to be. "'Nanny walked out, found the others, "'looking slightly too innocent in the next cave, "'and led the way to the open air. "'Found your pipe, then,' said Margaret. "'Yes, thank you.' "'What's she going to do?' said Agnes. "'You tell me.' "'said Nanny. "'I know as you was listening, "'you wouldn't be witches if you wasn't listening somehow.' Well, what can we do that she can't? "'If she's beaten, then so are we, aren't we?' "'What did Granny mean, from can to can't?' "'said Magrat. "'Oh, from the first moment in the morning when you can see "'to the last moment in the evening when you can't,' said Nanny. "'She's really feeling low, isn't she?' "'Nanny paused by the stone witch. "'Her pipe had gone out. "'She struck a match on the hooked nose.' There's three of us, she said, the right number, so we'll start by having a proper coven meeting. Aren't you worried, said Agnes, she's giving up. Then it's up to us to carry on, isn't it, said Nanny. Nanny had placed the cauldron in the middle of the floor for the look of the thing, although an indoor coven meeting didn't feel right, and one without Granny Weatherwax felt worse. Perdita said it made them look like soppy girls playing at it. The only fire in the room was in the huge black iron range, the very latest model recently installed for Nanny by her loving sons. On it, the kettle began to boil. ''I'll make the tea, shall I?'' said Magrat, getting up. ''No, you sit down. It's Agnes's job to make the tea,'' said Nanny. ''You're the mother, so it's your job to pour.'' ''What's your job, Nanny?'' said Agnes. ''I drinks it,'' said Nanny promptly. Right. We've got to find out more while they're still acting friendly. Agnes, you go back to the castle with Magrat and the baby. She needs extra help anyway. What good will that do? You told me yourself, said Nanny. Vampires don't affect you. As soon as they try to see Agnes's mind, it sinks down, and up pops Perdita like a seesaw. Just when they're looking at Perdita, here comes Agnes again. Young Vlad's definitely got his eye on you, ain't he? Certainly not. Yeah, right said Nanny. Men always like women that have got a bit of mystery to them. They like a challenge, see? And while he's got his eye on you, keeping your eye on Magrat, you've got your other eye on him. Understand? Everyone's got a weakness. Maybe we'll not see the back of these vampires by going over to the curtains and saying, my, isn't it stuffy in here? But there's got to be some other way. And if there isn't, marry him, said Nanny firmly. Magrat gasped. The teapot rattled in her hand. ''That's horrible,'' she said. ''I'd rather kill myself," said Agnes. ''In the morning,'' said Perdita. ''Don't have to be a long marriage,'' said Nanny. ''Put a pointy stake in your garter, and our lad will be getting cold even before they finish cutting up the wedding cake. Nanny!'' ''Or maybe you could just sort of make him change his ways a bit,'' Nanny went on. ''It's amazing what a wife can do if she knows her own mind, or minds, in your case, of course. Look at King Verence I, for one.'' "'He used to toss all his meat bones over his shoulder until he was married, "'and the Queen made him leave them on the side of the plate. "'I'd only been married to the first Mr. Og "'for a month before he was getting out of the bath if he needed to pee. "'You can refine a husband. "'Maybe you could point him in the direction of blutwurst and black puddings and underdone steak. "'You really haven't got any scruples, have you, Nanny?' said Agnes. "'No,' said Nanny simply. "'This is Lancre we're talking about.' "'If we was men, we'd be talking about laying down our lives for the country. "'As women, we can talk about laying down.' "'I just don't want to hear this,' said Magrat. "'I ain't asking her to do what I wouldn't do myself,' said Nanny. "'Really? Then what?' "'Because no one wants me to do it,' said Nanny. "'But if I was fifty years younger, "'I reckon I could have Sonny Jim biting turnips by midsummer.' ''You mean just because she's a woman, she should use sexual wiles on him?'' said Magrat. ''This is so... well, it's so Nanny Og, that's all I can say.'' ''She should use any wile she can lay her hands on,'' said Nanny. ''I don't care what Granny said, there's always a way.'' ''Like the hero in Tussort, or whatever it was, who was completely invincible except for his heel, and someone stuck a spear in it and killed him.'' ''What are you expecting her to do, prod him all over?'' I never understood that story anyway, said Nanny. I mean, if I knew I'd got a heel that would kill me if someone stuck a spear in it, I'd go into battle wearing heavy boots. You don't know what he's like, said Agnes, ignoring the diversion. He looks at me as if he's undressing me with his eyes. Eyes is allowed, said Nanny, and he's laughing at me all the time, as if he knows I don't like him and that adds to the fun. Now you get into that castle, Nanny growled. "'For Lankra, For the King! For everyone in the country! "'And if he gets too much, let Perdita take over, "'cos I reckon there's some things she's better at!' In the shocked silence, there was a faint clinking noise from Nanny's sideboard. Magrat coughed. "'Just like the old days,' she said, arguing all the time. Nanny stood up and unhooked a cast-iron saucepan from the beam over the kitchen range. "'You can't treat people like this!' Said Agnes sullenly. I can, said Nanny, tiptoeing in the direction of the sideboard. I'm the other one now, see? Ornaments flew and shattered as she brought the saucepan down hard, bottom upwards. Gotcha, you little blue devil, she shouted. Don't think I didn't see you. The saucepan rose. Nanny leaned her weight on the handle, but it still moved slowly along the dresser, rocking slightly from side to side until it reached the edge. Something red and blue dropped onto the floor and started moving towards the closed door. At the same time, Grebo shot past Agnes, accelerating. And then, just as he was about to spring, he changed his mind. All four feet extended their claws at the same time and bit into the floorboards. He rolled, sprang onto his feet and started to wash himself. The red and blue blur hit the door and picked itself up, becoming a blue man, six inches tall, with red hair. He carried a sword about the same size as himself. "'Ach, hins tak yer skaggy, yer dank yul kalyek!' he screamed. "'Oh, it's you!' said Nanny, relaxing. "'Do you want a drink?' The sword was lowered slightly, but with a definite hint that it could be raised again at a moment's notice. "'Tas it?' Nanny reached down to the crate by her chair and sorted through the bottles. Scumble, My best! Vintage!' she said. The wee man's tiny eyes lit up. "'Last Tuesday?' "'Right. Agnes, open that sewing box and pass me a thimble, will you?' "'Come away here, man,' said Nanny, uncorking the bottle well away from the fire and filling up the thimble. "'Ladies, this here's... let's see them tattoos. "'Yes, this here's one of the knack Mac feagle. "'The little bastards comes down and rage my still about once a year. "'I reckon I recognise the pattern.' "'Yings your greyly gin!' "'She are richt said the old man, taking the thimble. "'What is he?' said Magrat. "'They're gnomes,' said Nanny. The man lowered the thimble. "'Pixies?' "'Pixies, if you insist,' said Nanny. "'They live up on the high moors, over towards Oberwald. "'Ach, be yousnae richt spiel. "'You'll behen it, figures. "'Yon ken swigle-boggin' bloodsuckers, I'll do tae!' Nanny nodded while she listened. Halfway through the little man's rant, she topped up his thimble. "'All right,' she said, when he seemed to have finished. "'Well, he says the knack macfeagle have been forced out by the vampires, see? "'They've been driving out all the—' "'Her lips moved as she tried out various translations. "'Old people.' "'That's very cruel,' said Margaret. "'No, I mean old races. "'People that live in the corners, you know, "'the ones you don't see around a lot.' "'Centaurs, bogies, gnomes, pixies, yeah, right, driving them out of the country. "'Why should they do that?' "'Probably not fashionable any more,' said Nanny. "'Agnes looked hard at the pixie. "'On a scale of ethereal from one to ten, he looked as if he was on some other scale, "'probably one buried in deep ocean sludge. "'The blueness of his skin, she could see now, was made up of tattoos and paint.' His red hair stuck out at all angles. His sole concession to the temperature was a leather loincloth. He saw her looking at him. Yist away frae yeeks. Yes, stockin good, that bar big jobs. Uh, sorry, said Agnes. Good language, ain't it, said Nanny. A hint of heather and midden. But when you got the knack mack on your side, you're doing OK. The pixie waved the empty thimble at Nanny. Gale or bloody lemonade, calyek? ''Ah, no fool in you. You want the real stuff,'' said Nanny. She pulled back a chair cushion and produced a black glass bottle with its cork held on by wire. ''You're not giving in that, are you?'' said Magrat. ''That's your medicinal whisky.'' ''And you always tell people it's strictly for external use only,'' said Agnes. ''Ah, uh, the knack feagle are a hard-headed race,'' said Nanny, handing it down to the tiny man.'' To Agnes's amazement, he grasped a bottle bigger than himself with insolent ease. ''There you go, man. Share it with your mates, cos I know they're around here somewhere.'' There was a clink from the dresser. The witches looked up. Hundreds of pixies had simply appeared among the ornaments. Most of them wore pointy hats that curved so that the point was practically pointing down, and they all carried swords. ''Amazing how they can just fade into the foreground like that,'' said Nanny. "'That's what's kept them so safe all these years. "'That and killing most people who saw them, of course.' Grebo very quietly went and sat under her chair. "'So, you gentlemen have been turned out by the vampires, have you?' "'said Nanny, as the bottle bobbed through the throng. "'A roar went up. Blast it! Eh? "'You isn't fast evil! "'I knock a hard ticket! "'Big jobs!' "'I dare say you can stop in Lankre, said Nanny, above the din.' ''Just a moment, Nanny,'' Magrat began. Nanny waved a hand at her hurriedly. ''There's that island up on the lake,'' she went on, raising her voice. ''It's where the heron's nest. Just the place, eh? Lots of fish, lots of hunting up the valley.'' The blue pixies went into a huddle. Then one of them looked up. ''Prisney, you'lls ne'bren it, my gale. ''Oh, you'd be left to yourself,'' said Nanny. ''But no stealing cattle, eh?'' These steel cattle, said Agnes. Full size cattle. How many of them does it take? Four. Four? One under each foot. Seen 'em do it. You see a cow in a field minding its own business. Next minute the grass is rustling. Some little bugger shouts, Hup, 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 and the poor beast goes past, boom, without its legs moving, said Nanny. They're stronger than cockroaches. You step on a pixie, you'd better be wearing thick soles. Nanny? You can't give them the island. It doesn't belong to you, said Magrat. It don't belong to anyone, said Nanny. It belongs to the king. Ah, well, what's his is yours, so give them the island and Verence can sign a bit of paper later on. It's worth it, Nanny added. A rent of not stealing our cows is well worth it, otherwise you'll see cows zipping around very fast, backwards sometimes. Without their legs moving, said Agnes. Right. Well... "'Magrat began. "'And they'll be useful,' Nanny added, lowering her voice. "'Fighting's what they like best.' "'Wist, yarn fellat free three acres burr.' "'Drinking's what they like best,' Nanny corrected herself. "Ne hoon, the scallon!' "'Drinking and fighting's what they like best,' said Nanny. "'And snuffling cubisti and stealing cows,' said Nanny. "'Drinking, fighting and stealing cows is what they like best.' ''Listen, Magrat, I'd rather have them in here pissing out than outside pissing in. There's more of them and they'll make your ankles all wet.'' ''But what can they do?'' said Magrat. ''Well, Grebo's frightened of them,'' said Nanny. Grebo was two worried eyes, one yellow, one pearly white in the shadows. The witches were impressed. Grebo had once brought down an elk. There was practically nothing that he wouldn't attack, including architecture.'' ''I'd have thought they'd have no trouble with vampires then,'' said Agnes. ''Ach, can I? Flicky, flicky? You think we're flies as the forest? ''Fitters?'' sneered a blue man. ''They can't fly,'' said Nanny. ''It's quite a nice island.'' ''Even so,'' Magrat mumbled. ''Girl, your husband was messing around with politics, ''which is why we're in this trouble. ''And to get, you've got to give. ''Now he's ill.'' "'And you're Queen, so you can do as you like, right? "'There's no one who can tell you what to do, isn't that so?' Mm, "'Yes, I suppose so. "'So damn well give them the island "'and they've got something here to fight for. "'Otherwise they'll just push on through anyway "'and nick all our livestock on the way. "'Dress that up in fancy talk and you've got politics.' "'Nanny,' said Agnes, "'yep. Don't get angry. "'But you don't think Granny's doing this on purpose to you? "'Keep him back, I mean, "'so that we have to form a three and work together?' Why'd she do that? So we develop insights and pull together and learn valuable lessons, said Magrat. Nanny paused with her pipe halfway to her lips. No, she said. I don't reckon Granny'd be thinking like that because that's soppy garbage. Here, you blokes, here's the key to the drinks cupboard in the scullery. Booger off and have fun. Don't touch the stuff in the green bottles because it's yeah, oh, I expect you'll be all right. "'There was a blue blur, and the room was cleared. "'We've got things Granny ain't got,' said Nanny. "'Yes,' said Agnes. "'Magrat's got a baby, I've got no scruples, "'and we've both got you. "'What good will I be? "'Well, for one thing, you're in two minds about everything.' "'There was a tinkle of glass from the scullery "'and a scream of, "'Ah, yes, givens, "'Yes, look at it, a fish of heat! "'Creeves! "'See you! wait. Some an old may coat! "'Good! "'Yeah, now!' "'Someone hold his arms. "'Stitch this, Fram a brin it goggle. "'Some more glass broke. "'We'll all go back into the castle,' said Nanny. "'On our terms, face this count down. "'And we'll take garlic and lemons and all the other stuff "'and some of Mr Oates's holy water. "'You can't tell me all that stuff together won't work.' "'And they'll let us in, will they?' said Agnes. "'They'll have a lot to think about,' said Nanny. "'What with a mob at the gates?' We can nip in round the back. What mob? said Magrat. We'll organise one, said Nanny. You don't organise a mob, Nanny, said Agnes. A mob is something that happens spontaneously. Nanny Og's eyes gleamed. There's 79 Ogs in these parts, she said. Spontaneous it is, then. Her gaze fell for a moment on the forest of familial pictures, and then she removed a boot and hammered on the wall beside her. After a few seconds, they heard a door bang and footsteps pass in front of the window. Jason Og, blacksmith and head male of the Og clan, poked his head around the front door. Uh, yes, Mum? There's going to be a spontaneous mob storming the castle in, uh, half an hour, said Nanny. Put the word out. Uh, yes, Mum. Tell everyone I said it ain't compulsory for them to be there, of course, Nanny added. Jason glanced at the hierarchy of Oggs. Nanny didn't have to add anything more to that sentence. Everyone knew that the cat's box sometimes needed lining. Yes, Mum, I'll uh, I'll tell them you said they didn't have to come if they don't want to. Good boy. Is it uh, flaming torches or, uh, you know, scythes and stuff? That's always tricky, said Nanny, but I'd say both. Battering ram, Mum? Er, uh, no, I don't think so. Good. It is my door, after all, said Magrat. "'Anything uh, special for people to yell, Mum?' "'Oh, general yelling, I think. "'Anything to throw? "'Just rocks on this occasion,' said Nanny. "'Not large ones,' said Magrat. "'Some of the stonework around the main gate is quite fragile.' "'Okay, nothing harder than sandstone, understand? "'And tell our Kev to roll out a barrel of my number three beer,' said Nanny. "'Better pour a bottle of brandy in it to keep out the chill.' It can really strike right through your coat when you're hanging around outside a castle chanting and waving. And get our Nev to run up to poor chicks and say, Mrs. Og presents her compliments and we want half a dozen big cheeses and ten dozen eggs, and tell Mrs. Carter will she be so good as to let us have a big jar of those pickled onions she does so well. It's a shame that we've got no time to roast something, but I suppose you have to put up with that sort of inconvenience when you're being spontaneous. Nanny Og winked at Agnes. Uh, yes, Mum. "'Nanny?' said Magrat, when Jason had hurried away. "'Yes, dear. "'A couple of months ago, "'when Verence suggested that tax on liquor exports, "'there was a big crowd protesting in the courtyard, "'and he said, "'Oh, well, if that's the will of the people.' "'Well, it was the will of the people,' said Nanny. "'Oh, right, good. "'Only sometimes they temporarily forget what their will is,' said Nanny. "'Now you can leave young Esme next door with Jason's wife. "'I'm keeping her with me.' "'said Magrat. She's happy enough on my back.' "'You can't do that,' said Agnes. "'Don't you dare argue with me, Agnes Knit,' said Magrat, drawing herself up. "'And not a word out of you, Nanny.' "'Wouldn't dream of it,' said Nanny. "'The Nackmack Feagle always take their babies into battle, too. "'Mind you, for use as a weapon, if it comes to it.' "'Magrat relaxed a little. "'She said her first word this morning,' she said, looking proud. "'What, at fourteen days?' "'said Nanny, doubtfully. "'Yes, it was blup. "'Blup? "'Yes, it was. "'More of a babble than a word, I suppose. "'Let's get the stuff together,' said Nanny, standing up. "'We're a coven, ladies. "'We're a trio. "'I miss Granny as much as you do, "'but we've got to deal with things as she would.' "'She took a few deep breaths. "'I can't be having with this. "'It sounds better the way she says it,' said Agnes. "'I know.' Hodgesarg ate his meal in the servants' dining room off the kitchen and ate alone. There were new people around, but Hodgesarg generally didn't pay much attention to non-Falconers. There were always other people in the castle, and they had jobs to do, and if pressed, Hodgesarg would vaguely acknowledge the fact that if he left his laundry in a sack by the kitchen door every week, it would be washed and dried two days later. There were his meals, the game he left on the cold slab in the long pantry got dealt with, and so on. He was returning to the muse when one of the shadows pulled him into the darkness with a hand clamped over his mouth. "'It's me, Mrs. Ogg, said Nanny. "'You all right, Hodges Arg." And by this, Hodges Arg contrived to indicate that he was fine, except for someone's thumb blocking his breathing. "'Where are the vampires?' Nanny released her grip. "'Vampires?' the falconer panted. "'They the ones that walk around slowly?' "'No, that's the food,' said Nanny. "'Any swish-looking boogers about as well, any soldiers?' "'There was a soft thud from somewhere in the shadows, and someone said, "'Blast! I've dropped the nappy bag. Did you see where it rolled?' "'Er, there's some new ladies and gentlemen,' said Hodgesog. "'They're hanging around the kitchens. There's some men in chain mail too.' "'Damn!' said Nanny. ''There's the little door off the main hall,'' said Magrat, ''but that's always locked on the inside.'' Agnes swallowed. ''All right, I'll go and unlock it then.'' Nanny tapped her on the shoulder. ''You be all right?'' ''Well, they can't control me. They can grab you, though.'' ''Flad won't want you hurt,'' said Perdita. ''You saw the way he looked at us.'' ''I think I'll be all right,'' said Agnes. You know your own minds best, I'm sure, said Nanny. Got the holy water? Let's hope it works better than the garlic, said Agnes. Good luck, Nanny cocked her head. Sounds like the mob is spontaneously arriving at the gate. Go. Agnes ran off into the rain, around the castle to the doors of the kitchen. They were wide open. She made it to the corridor beyond the kitchens when a hand grabbed her shoulder and then in a blur of speed two young men were standing in front of her. They were dressed something like the young opera-goers she'd seen in Ankh-Morpork, except that their fancy waistcoats would have been considered far too fast by the stader members of the community, and they wore their hair long like a poet who hopes that romantically flowing locks will make up for a wretched inability to find a rhyme for daffodil. "'Why are you in such a hurry, girl?' one said. Agnes sagged. "'Look!' She said, I'm very busy. Can we speed this up? Can we dispense with all the leers and the I like a girl with spirit stuff? Can we get right to the bit where I twist out of your grip and kick you in the... One of them struck her hard across the face. No, he said. I'll tell Vlad of you, Perdita screamed in Agnes's voice. The other vampire hesitated. Ah, yes, he knows me, said Agnes and Perdita together. ha. One of the vampires looked her up and down. ''What, you?'' he said. ''Yes, her,'' said a voice. Vlad strolled towards them, thumbs hooked into the pockets of his waistcoat. ''Demone, crimson, to me, please.'' The two went and stood meekly in front of him. There was a blur and then his thumbs were back in his waistcoat and the two vampires were in mid-crumple and sinking to the floor, "'This is the kind of thing we don't do to our guests,' said Vlad, "'stepping over Moan's twitching body and holding out his hands to Agnes. "'Did they hurt you? "'Say the word and I'll turn them over to Lacrimosa. "'She's just discovered you have a torture chamber here "'and to think we thought Lankra was backward.' "'Ah, that old thing,' said Agnes weakly. "'Crimson was making bubbling noises. "'I didn't even see his hands move,' said Perdita. "'Uh, it's been there for centuries.' "'Oh, really?' "'She did say there weren't enough straps and buckles. "'Still, she is inventive. "'Just say the word.' "'Say the word,' Perdita prompted. "'There'd be two less of them.' "'Er, no,' said Agnes. "'Ah, moral cowardice from the fat girl. "'Er, who are they?' "'Er, we brought some of the clan in on the carts. "'They can make themselves useful,' father said. "'Oh, they're relatives?' Granny Weatherwax would have said yes, Perdita whispered. Vlad coughed gently. By blood, he said, yes, in a way. But subservient, do come this way. He gently took her arm and led her back up the passage, treading heavily on Crimson's twitching hand as he did so. You mean, vampirism is like pyramid-selling, said Agnes. She was alone with Vlad. "'Admittedly, this had the edge over being alone with the other two, "'but somehow, at a time like this, "'it seemed vital to hear the sound of her own voice, "'if only to remind herself that she was alive. "'I'm sorry,' said Vlad. "'Who sells pyramids?' "'No, I mean, you bite five necks, "'and in two months' time you get a lake of blood of your very own.' "'He smiled, but a little cautiously. "'I can see I will have a lot to learn,' he said. "'I understood every word in that sentence, "'but not the sentence itself.' I'm sure there is a lot you can teach me. And indeed, I could teach you. No, said Agnes flatly. But when we. Oh, what is that moron doing now? A cloud of dust was advancing from the direction of the kitchens. In the middle of it, holding a bucket and a shovel, was Igor. Igor? Yes, master. You're putting down dust again, aren't you? Yes, master. ''And why are you putting down dust, Igor?'' said Vlad icily. ''You've got to have dust, master. It's tradition. Igor, mother told you, we don't want dust. We don't want huge candlesticks, we don't want eye-holes cut in all the pictures, and we certainly don't want your wretched box of damn spiders and your stupid little whip.'' In the ringing, red-hot silence, Igor looked down at his feet. Spiders' webs is what people expect, Master, he mumbled. We don't want them. The old Count liked my spiders, said Igor, his voice like some little insect that would nevertheless not be squashed. It's ridiculous, Igor. He used to say, good webs today, Igor. Look, just, just... "'Go away, will you? "'See if you can't sort out that dreadful smell from the garderobe. "'Mother says it makes her eyes water. "'And stand up straight and walk properly,' Vlad called after him. "'No one's impressed by the limp.' "'Agnes saw Igor's retreating back pause for a moment, "'and then she expected him to say something, "'but then he continued his wobbly walk. "'He's such a big baby,' said Vlad, shaking his head. "'I'm sorry you had to see that.' "'Yes, I think I'm sorry, too,' said Agnes. "'He's going to be replaced. "'Father's only been keeping him on out of sentiment. "'I'm afraid he came with the old castle, "'along with the creaking roof and the strange smell "'halfway up the main stairs, which, I have to say, "'is not as bad as the one we've noticed here. "'Oh, dear, look at this, will you? "'We turn our back for five minutes.' "'There was a huge and very dribbly candle burning "'in a tall black candlestick.' "'King Verence had all those oil lamps put in, a lovely modern light, "'and Igor's been going round replacing them with candles again. "'We don't even know where he gets them from. "'Lackey thinks he saves his earwax.' "'They were in the long room beside the great hall now. "'Vlad lifted the candlestick up so that the flame's glow lit the wall. "'Oh, they've put the pictures up. "'You ought to get to know the family.' The light fell on a portrait of a tall, thin, grey-haired man in evening dress and a red-lined cloak. He looked quite distinguished, in a distant, aloof sort of way. There was the glimmer of a lengthened canine on his lower lip. "'My great-uncle,' said Vlad. "'The last, uh, incumbent.' "'What's the sash and star he's wearing?' said Agnes. She could hear the sounds of the mob far off, but growing louder. "'The Order of Gavotte. "'He built our family home.' ''Don't go near the castle, we call it. I don't know whether you've heard of it. It's a strange name.'' ''Oh, he used to laugh about it. The local coachman used to warn visitors, you see, don't go near the castle, they'd say. Even if it means spending a night up a tree, never go up there to the castle, they'd tell people. ''Whatever you do, don't set foot in the castle.'' He said it was marvellous publicity. Sometimes he had every bedroom full by 9pm and people would be hammering on the door to get in. Travellers would go miles out of their way to see what all the fuss was about. We won't see his like again with any luck. He did rather play to the crowd, I'm afraid. Rose from the grave so often that he had a coffin with a revolving lid. Ah! Aunt Carmilla! Agnes stared at a very severe woman in a figure-hugging black dress and deep plum lipstick. She was said to bathe in the blood of up to 200 virgins at a time, Vlad said. I don't believe that. Use more than 80 virgins and even quite a large bath will overflow, Lacrimosa tells me. These little details are important, said Agnes, buoyed up by the excitement of terror. And of course it's so hard to find the soap. Killed by a mob, I'm afraid. People can be so ungrateful. And this, the light passed along the hall, is my grandfather. A bald head, dark-rimmed staring eyes, two teeth like needles, two ears like bat wings, fingernails that hadn't been trimmed for years. But half the pictures just bare canvas, said Agnes. The family story is that old Maggirato got hungry, said Vlad. A very direct approach to things, my grandfather. See the reddish-brown stains just there? Very much in the old style. And here, well, some... "'Distant ancestor, that's all I know.' "'The picture was mostly dark varnish. "'There was a suggestion of a beak on a hunched figure. "'Vlad turned away quickly. "'We've come a long way, of course,' he said. "'Evolution, father says.' "'They look very powerful,' said Agnes. "'Oh, yes, so very powerful and yet so very, very dumb,' said Vlad. "'My father thinks stupidity is somehow built into vampirism.' "'as if the desire for fresh blood is linked to being as thick as a plank. <laughs> "'Father is a very unusual vampire. "'He and mother raised us differently.' "'Differently?' said Agnes. "'Vampires aren't very family-orientated. "'Father says that's natural. "'Humans are raising their successors, you see, "'but we live for a very long time, "'so a vampire is raising competitors. "'There's not a lot of family feeling, you could say.' "'Really?' In the depths of her pocket, Agnes's fingers closed around the bottle of holy water. But Father said, self-help was the only way out. Break the cycle of stupidity, he said. Little traces of garlic were put into our food to get us used to it. He tried early exposure to various religious symbols. Oh, dear, we must have had the oddest nursery wallpaper in the world. Never mind the jolly frieze of Gertie the Dancing Garlic. And I have to say that their efficacy isn't that good in any case. He even made us go out and play during the day. That which does not kill us, he'd say, makes us strong. Agnes's arm whirled. The holy water spiralled out of the bottle and hit Vlad full in the chest. He threw his arms wide and screamed as water cascaded down and poured into his shoes. She'd never expected it to be this easy. He raised his head and winked at her. "'Look at this waistcoat! Will you look at this waistcoat? "'Do you know what water does to silk? "'You just never get it out. "'No matter what you do, there's always a mark.' "'He looked at her frozen expression and sighed. "'I suppose we'd better get some things off our chest, hadn't we?' he said. "'He looked up at the wall and took down a very large and spiky axe. "'He thrust it at her. "'Take this and cut my head off, will you?' he said. "'Look, I'll I'll loosen my cravat. Don't want blood on it, do we? There. See?' "'Are you trying to tell me that you were brought up with this, too?' she said hotly. "'What was it, a little light hatchet practice after breakfast? "'Cut your head off a little bit every day and the real thing won't hurt?' "'Vlad rolled his eyes. "'Everyone knows that cutting off a vampire's head is internationally acceptable,' he said. "'I'm sure Nanny Og would be swinging right now.' "'Come along, there's a lot of muscle in those rather thick arms.' "'I'm—' she swung. "'He reached around from behind her and whisked the axe out of her arms. "'Sure,' he finished. "'We are also very, very fast.' "'He tested the blade with his thumb. "'Blunt, I notice. "'My dear Miss Knit, "'it may just be more trouble than it's worth to try to get rid of us, do you see? "'Now old Maggie Rato there—' Would not have made the kind of offer we are making to l'ancre, Dear me, no. Are we ravaging across the country? No. Forcing our way into bedrooms? Certainly not. What's a little blood for the good of the community? Of course, Verence will have to be demoted a little, but let's face it, the man is rather more of a clerk than a king. And our friends may find us grateful. What is the point of resisting. Are vampires ever grateful? We can learn. You're just saying that in exchange for not actually being evil, you'll simply be bad, is that it? What we are saying, my dear, is that our time has come, said a voice behind them. They both turned. The Count had stepped into the gallery. He was wearing a smoking jacket. There was an armed man strolling on either side of him. "'Oh, dear Vlad, playing with your food. "'Good evening, Miss Knit. "'We appear to have a mob at the gates, Vlad.' "'Really? "'That's exciting. "'I've never seen a real mob.' "'I wish your first could have been a better one,' said the Count and sniffed. "'There's no passion in it. "'Still, it'd be too tiresome to let it go on all through dinner. "'I shall tell them to go away.' "'The doors of the hall swung open without apparent aid. "'Shall we go and watch?' said Vlad. Uh, ''I think I'll go and powder my... Um, I'll just go and... I'll, I'll just be a minute,'' said Agnes, backing away. She darted down the little corridor that led to the small door and drew the bolts. ''About time,'' said Nanny, hurrying in. ''It's really clammy out here. ''They've gone to look at the mob, but there's other vampires here, not just the guards. ''The rest must have come in on the carts. They're like not quite servants, but they take orders.'' ''How many are there?'' said Magrat. ''I haven't found out. Vlad is trying to get to know me better.'' ''Good plan,'' said Nanny. ''See if he talks in his sleep. Nanny.'' ''Let's see his lordship in action, shall we?'' said Nanny. ''We can nip into the old guardroom alongside the door and look through the squint.'' ''I want to get Verence,'' said Magrat. ''He's not going anywhere,'' said Nanny, striding into the little room by the door. ''And I don't reckon they're planning to kill him. Anyway, he's got some protection now.'' ''I think these really are new vampires,'' said Agnes. ''They really aren't like the old sort.'' ''Then we face them, here and now,'' said Nanny. ''That's what Esme would do, sure enough.'' ''But are we strong enough?'' said Agnes. ''Granny wouldn't have asked,'' said Perdita. ''There's three of us, isn't there?'' said Nanny. She produced a flask and uncorked it. ''And a bit of help. Anyone else want some?'' ''That's brandy, Nanny,'' said Margaret. ''Do you want to face the vampires drunk?'' ''Sounds a whole lot better than facing them sober,'' said Nanny, taking a gulp and shuddering. Oh, ''Only sensible bit of advice Agnes got from Mr. Oates, I reckon. Vampire hunters needs to be a little bit tipsy,'' he said. ''Well, I always listen to good advice.'' Even inside Mightily Oates' tent, the candles streamed in the wind. He sat gingerly on his camp bed because sudden movements made it fold up with nail-blackening viciousness and leafed through his notebooks in a state of growing panic. He hadn't come here to be a vampire expert. Revenant and Ungodly Creatures had been a one-hour lecture from deaf Deacon Thrope every fortnight for Om's sake. It hadn't even counted towards the final examination score. They'd spent twenty times that on comparative theology, and right now he wished he really wished that they'd found time to tell him, for example, exactly where the heart was and how much force you needed to drive a stake through it. Ah, here they were, a few pages of scribble, saved only because the notes for his essay on Thrum's Lives of the Prophets were on the other side. The blood is the life, vampires are subservient to the one who turned them into a vampire— Allyl disulfide, active ingredient in garlic. Porphyria, lack of, learned reaction. Native soil, very important. As many as possible will drink of a victim so that he is the slave of all. Cluster suck. Blood as an unholy sacrament. Vampire controls. Bats, rats, creatures of the night. Weather. Contrary to legend, most victims merely become passive, not Vampires. Intended vampire suffers terrible torments and craving for blood. Socks, garlic, holy icons, sunlight, deadly. Kill vampire, release all victims. Physical strength. Why hadn't anyone told them this was important? He'd covered half the page with a drawing of Deacon Thrope, which was practically a still life. Oates dropped the book into his pocket and grasped his medallion hopefully. After four years of theological college, he wasn't at all certain of what he believed, and this was partly because the church had schismed so often that occasionally the entire curriculum would alter in the space of one afternoon. But also, they had been warned about it. Don't expect it, they'd said. It doesn't happen to anyone except the prophets. Om doesn't work like that. Om works from inside. But he'd hoped that just once... Om would make himself known in some obvious and unequivocal way that couldn't be mistaken for wind or a guilty conscience. Just once he'd like the clouds to part for the space of ten seconds, and a voice to cry out, Yes, mightily praiseworthy are ye who exalteth Om, Oates. It's all completely true. Incidentally, that was a very thoughtful paper you wrote on the crisis of religion in a pluralistic society. It wasn't that he'd lacked faith, but faith wasn't enough. He'd wanted knowledge. Right now he'd settle for a reliable manual of vampire disposal. He stood up. Behind him, unheeded, the terrible campbed sprang shut. He'd found knowledge, and knowledge hadn't helped. Had not Giotto caused the Leviathan of Terror to throw itself onto the land and the seas to turn red with blood? Had not Order, strong in his faith, caused a sudden famine throughout the land of Smale? They certainly had. He believed it utterly but a part of him also couldn't forget reading about the tiny little creatures that caused the rare red tides off the coast of Urt and the effect this apparently had on local sea life and about the odd wind cycle that sometimes kept rain clouds away from Smale for years at a time. This had been worrying. It was because he was so very good at old languages that he'd been allowed to study in the new libraries that were springing up around the Citadel and this had been fresh ground for worry because the seeker after truth had found truths instead. The third journey of the prophet Sina, for example, seemed remarkably like a retranslation of the Testament of Sand in the Loaten Book of the whole. On one shelf alone he found 43 remarkably similar accounts of a great flood, and in every single one of them a man very much like Bishop Horn had saved the elect of mankind by building a magical boat. Details varied, of course. Sometimes the boat was made of wood, sometimes of banana leaves... Sometimes the news of the emerging dry land was brought by a swan, sometimes by an iguana. Of course, these stories in the chronicles of other religions were mere folk tales and myth, while the voyage detailed in the Book of Sina was holy truth. But, nevertheless... Oates had gone on to be fully ordained, but he'd progressed from slightly reverend to quite reverend, a troubled young man, He'd wanted to discuss his findings with someone, but there were so many schisms going on that no one would stand still long enough to listen. The hammering of clerics as they nailed their own versions of the truth of Om on the temple doors was deafening, and for a brief while he'd even contemplated buying a roll of paper and a hammer of his own and putting his name on the waiting list for the doors. But he'd overruled himself, because he was, he knew, in two minds about everything. At one point he'd considered asking to be exorcised, but had drawn back from this because the church traditionally used fairly terminal methods for this, and in any case, serious men who seldom smiled would not be amused to hear that the invasive spirit he wanted exorcised was his own. He called the voices the good oats and the bad oats. The trouble was, each of them agreed with the terminology but applied it in different ways. Even when he was small, there'd been a part of him that thought the temple was a silly, boring place and tried to make him laugh when he was supposed to be listening to sermons. It had grown up with him. It was the oats that read avidly and always remembered those passages which cast doubt on the literal truth of the Book of Om, and nudged him and said, "'If this isn't true, what can you believe?' And the other half of him would say, "'There must be other kinds of truth.' And he'd reply, "'Other kinds than the kind that is actually true, you mean.' And he'd say, "'Define actually.' And he'd shout, well, actually, Omnians would have tortured you to death not long ago for even thinking like this. Remember that? Remember how many died for using the brain which you seem to think their God gave them? What kind of truth excuses all that pain? He'd never quite worked out how to put the answer into words, and then the headaches would start and the sleepless nights. The church schismed all the time these days, and this was surely the ultimate one, starting a war inside one's head to think he'd been sent here for his health, because Brother Melchio had got worried about his shaky hands and the way he talked to himself. He did not gird his loins, because he wasn't certain how you did that and had never dared ask. But he adjusted his hat and stepped out into the wild night under the thick, uncommunicative clouds. The castle gates swung open, and Count Magpier stepped out, flanked by his soldiers. This was not according to the proper narrative tradition. Although the people of Lancre were technically new to all this, down at genetic level they knew that when the mob is at the gate, the mob e should be screaming defiance in a burning laboratory, or engaged in a cliffhanger struggle with some hero on the battlements. He shouldn't be lighting a cigar. They fell silent, scythes and pitchforks hovering in mid-shake. The only sound was the crackling of the torches. The Count blew a smoke ring. "'Good evening,' he said, as it drifted away. "'You must be the mob.' "'Someone at the back of the crowd, who hadn't been keeping up to date, threw a stone. "'Count Magpierre caught it without looking. "'The pitchforks are good,' he said. "'I like the pitchforks. "'As pitchforks, they certainly pass muster. "'And the torches, well, that goes without saying. "'But the scythes!' No, 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 I'm afraid not. They simply will not do. Not a good mob weapon, I have to tell you. Take it from me. A simple sickle is much better. Start waving scythes around and someone could lose an ear. Do try to learn. He ambled over to a very large man who was holding a pitchfork. And what is your name, young man? Uh, uh, Jason Ox, sir. The blacksmith? Yes, sir. Wife and family doing well? Yes, sir. "'Well done. Got everything you need?' "'Er, yes, sir. Good man. Carry on. "'If you keep the noise down over dinner, I would be grateful, "'but of course I appreciate you have a vital traditional role to play. "'I'll have the servants bring out some mugs of hot toddy shortly.' "'He knocked the ash off his cigar. "'Oh, and may I introduce you to Sergeant Craput, "'known to his friends as Bent Bill, I believe.' and this gentleman here picking at his teeth with his knife is Corporal Svitz, who I understand has no friends at all. I suppose it is faintly possible that he will make some here. They and their men, who I suppose could be called soldiers in a sort of informal easy-come-easy-go-cut-and-thrust sort of way, here Corporal Svitz leered and flicked a goblet of anonymous rations from a yellowing molar, will be going on duty in... Oh, about an hour, purely for reasons of security, you understand. And then we'll gut yer like a clam, and stuff yer with straw," said Corporal Spitz. "Ah, this is technical military language of which I know little," said the Count. "I do so hope there is no unpleasantness." "I don't," said Sergeant Crappett. "What scamps they are!" said the Count. "'Good evening to you all. Come, gentlemen.' "'He stepped back into the courtyard. "'The gates, their wood so heavy and toughened with age "'that it was like iron, swung shut. "'On the other side of it was silence, "'followed by the puzzled mumbling of players "'who have had their ball confiscated. "'The Count nodded at Vlad and flung out his hands theatrically. "'Tada! And that is how we do it. "'And you think you'd do it twice?' said a voice from the steps." The vampires looked up at the three witches. "'Ah, Mrs. Og,' said the Count, waving the soldiers away impatiently. "'And your Majesty. And Agnes. Now, was it three for a girl or three for a funeral?' The stone cracked under Nanny's feet as Magpier walked forward. "'Do you think I'm stupid, dear ladies?' he said. "'Did you really think that I'd let you run around "'if there was the least chance that you would harm us?' "'Lightning crackled across the sky. "'I can control the weather,' said the Count, "'and lesser creatures which, let me tell you, includes humans. "'And yet you plot away and think you can have some kind of... of... duel? (laughs) "'What a lovely image, however.' "'The witches were lifted off their feet. "'Hot air curled around them. "'A rising wind outside made the torches of the mob stream flames like flags.' What happened to us harnessing the power of all three of us together? hissed Magrat. That rather depended on him standing still, said Nanny. Stop this at once, Magrat shouted, and how dare you smoke in my castle? That can have a very serious effect on people around you. Is anyone going to say, you'll never get away with it? said the Count, ignoring her. He walked up the steps. They bobbed helplessly along ahead of him, like so many balloons. The hall doors slammed shut after him. ''Oh, someone must,'' he said. ''You won't get away with this,'' the Count beamed, ''and I didn't even see your lips move. ''Depart from here and return to the grave whence thou camest, unrighteous revenant.'' ''Where the hell did he come from?'' said Nanny, as mightily Oates dropped to the ground in front of the vampires. ''He was creeping along the minstrel gallery,'' said Perdita to Agnes. ''Sometimes you just don't pay attention.'' The priest's coat was covered with dust, and his collar was torn, but his eyes blazed with holy zeal. He thrust something in front of the vampire's face. Agnes saw him glance down hurriedly at a small book in his other hand. Um, ''Get thee um hence, thou worm of room, and vex not.'' ''Excuse me,'' said the Count. Trouble not more. Th- could I? Could I just make a point? Thou spirit that troubles thee, thou what? The count took the notebook out of Oates's suddenly unresisting hand. This is from Osori's Malius Maleficarum. He said, "Why do you look so surprised? I helped write it. You silly little man." But you, but that was hundreds of years ago. Oates managed so. And I contributed to Auriga Clavorum Maleficarum, Torquus Simiae Maleficarum, the whole damned Arca Instrumentorum, in fact. None of those stupid fictions work on vampires. Didn't you even know that? The Count almost growled. Oh, I remember your prophets. They were mad, bearded old men with the sanitary habits of a stoat. But by all that's crazed, they had passion. They didn't have holy little minds full of worries and fretfulness. They spoke the idiot words as though they believed them, with specks of holy foam bubbling away in the corners of their mouths. Now they were real priests, bellies full of fire and bile. You are a joke. He tossed the notebook aside and took the pendant. And this is the holy turtle of Ahom, which I believe should make me cringe back in fear. My, my, not even a very good replica, cheaply made. Oates found a reserve of strength. He managed to say, And how would you know, um, foul fiend? No, no, that's for demons, sighed the Count. He handed the turtle back to Oates. "'A commendable effort, nonetheless,' he said. "'If I ever want a nice cup of tea and a bun and possibly also a cheery sing-song, "'I will be sure to patronise your mission. "'But at the moment you are in my way.' "'He hit the priest so hard that he slid under the long table. "'So much for piety,' he said. "'All that remains is for Granny Weatherwax to turn up. "'It should be any minute now. "'After all, did you think she'd trust you to get it right?' The sound of the huge iron door knocker reverberated through the hall the count nodded happily and that will be her he said of course it will timing is everything